of Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus.
Let's briefly review the four major covenants that develop God's promises to his people as they reach their fulfillment in the coming of Jesus, stemming all the way back to the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 15, which says there shall be a seed of the woman who would come and crush the triumphal arch of Jacob. The Abrahamic covenant simply promised God's people land, descendants, and a universal blessing to all nations. But in order for those to be fulfilled, God had to establish his path, his rules, his law, which led to the Mosaic covenant, promise that blessing that if Israel obeyed the Lord and his law, that that would be come to fruition. But they needed leaders to continue to lead them into the fulfillment of his promise, which is the Davidic covenant, promising that a king from within the Davidic line would rule forever, and that through this king, the promises of the Abrahamic covenant would become a reality. Then Jesus came with the final covenant, the new covenant, unlike any of the others. And that this was something that God would do, that he would continue to do as his people. And that he would write his law on hearts of flesh so that they will know and obey him. And all this, all of these covenants, resounding in the repeating theme is this, I will be their God and they shall be my people. In other words, these covenants are about restoring the relationship between God and humanity. And all these promises build an expectation and an anticipation of the coming Messiah. And all these promises are fulfilled in the coming of Christ who is see, because God is sovereign over human history, he is in control of our mess. Here's the other thing that we need to see about the importance of Jesus and special grace. It's really messy. It contains men, women, adulterers, idolaters, prostitutes, murderers, heroes, and Gentiles. It's a brutally honest look at how God's relationship with his people throughout all the thousands of years of ups and downs, heartaches and victories, destruction and rebuilding, exile and return, brokenness, restoration and through it all he still stands faithful using every circumstance to fulfill his purposes for his glory you see christmas happens because we have a god who is faithful in keeping his promises and that he is sovereign over all human history in order to fulfill them despite the mess and and brokenness jesus came from the most messed up family tree of earth and that gives us hope Lastly, we can trust in God's promises even when it seems like he's forgotten us. At several times throughout the history of Israel, they were asking, has God forgotten us? When Jerusalem, the temple, were destroyed and they were sent into exile by foreign nations, they were honestly questioning, are we still God's chosen people? Is God forgotten the promises that he's made to us? And the Old Testament closes with the book of Malachi in which the temple and Jerusalem had finally been rebuilt, but God's people were still unfaithful in their marriages. They were not tithing. They did not fear the Lord. They rejected God. And the closing of Malachi ends with a cliffhanger promise that sends Israel into a 400-year period of famine where there was no way to get them back to the land. 400 years of famine. Israel into the promised land. Imagine the endless and the painful anticipations and the passion of multiple generations, yet at just the right time, God broke the promise. And how did that happen? With the cross. First, God didn't just break his promise to redeem, to redeem our believers, and now he 
what he was doing and what he came to. That God, that the very voice of God broke into human history to say that I have returned. As a new parent, I can say that I've returned. I've come to the silence and the darkness and the quiet of night to speak and broken by the cry of my own soul. God broke the darkness of 400 years of silence by a light to you and I, crying the very Son of God, speaking as the one of authority, just like when God broke the silence by Israel's last prophet, the Messiah, who was the voice crying in the wilderness when he prepared a way for them. So the love of God is near to those who are awake this morning, to those who need to be awakened this morning. There's always a delay between God's promises and their fulfillment. But his delay is not denied. God is not forgetful. He's faithful. And his faithfulness fuels our faithfulness. Even though whatever God promises, he fulfills in a way that we do not expect, but he fulfills in a way that we trust him in because of his promises. Let's just trust him. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everything. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe in it because of his testimony. John himself was not light to everyone was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth, resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that came from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him, and he shouted to the crowds, This is the one I was talking about when I said, Someone is coming after me, who is far greater than I am, and who existed long before me. From his abundance, we all have received one grace of blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. But God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. I want to invite us to come before God and picture in your mind God's Christmas Eve. Christmas morning, sitting in your pajamas, in your favorite item of furniture, cuddled up, hot cup of coffee, warm as anything. You're being warmed by a fire crackling and burning. There's a fresh covering of snow and fog on the ground. A beautifully decorated tree full of presents underneath is in full bloom.
dismissed me. And I deeply appreciate every single thing that I've mentioned and not just you know just described. But be truthful with what's left out. And it is not what I left out of this room, but who. You see, each of these things are good gifts from God, but for honest, often we can take the good things, the good gifts from God, and we make them into distractions. And we keep trying to seek from them a pleasure or a fulfillment that they aren't able to deliver upon. The stuff of this world, those are promises, but they will fail. We can put our trust and seek earthly things and resources above heavenly things and spiritually fail. We can treasure the presence underneath a lit Christmas tree above the presence of God humbly displayed in the flesh and blood. Yet, the real reason that this Christmas, real reason that Christmas flies right in the face of this line of teaching and confronts us with something better, a faithful God who has this world in bondages and sending his son Jesus, sending his son Jesus to save us. And while the, the birth story of Christ contains numerous fulfilled promises and prophecies, this morning we keep the focus on one more. And I believe that the reason that Christmas comes simply behind that one promise is God still loves us. And the words of John that the passage just read, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God became human and dwelt among us. These words became a reality in human history when God fulfilled his promise in sending Jesus to earth. Christmas gives us the opportunity to see and savor the glory of God in a way like no other. The holy and uncreated God of the universe became a one-celled embryo in the womb of a virgin, and the very fullness of God was pleased to dwell in bodily form, veiled in the flesh, Christmas brings us both comfort and conviction because Jesus is one who came to uphold a grace and truth. Christmas brings us comfort because once again he shows us that God is faithful to keep his promises. He brings us comfort because he assures us of the victory in our battle with the enemy even if it comes after waiting for a very long time. He is the light that has come into this world and extinguished darkness. And the singular marker all throughout Scripture and throughout human history of anyone who's ever was faithful or obedient or led God's people into victory is the phrase, and the Lord was with him. In the Scripture that is said of David, wherever David went, he was given victory because the Lord was with him. Emmanuel also brings us comfort because in Jesus, God became like us in every way except without sin. God is with us in our nature, our sorrow, our pain, and ultimately took upon himself the punishment for our sin. He became like us in our death and was the forerunner of our future resurrection in which we will triumph over all of Christ, triumph over all in Christ's eternal kingdom. God became like us so that we could become like him. And that if we accept and receive him, we are given the right to become like him. Jesus is the presence of the one and only holy and uncreated God with mankind. He has made the unknowable known. 
He has made the unapproachable approachable. And from his abundance, we have all received one grace instruction after another. And to that, we ought to celebrate, for that is the purpose of Christ. See, for Christmas not only brings us comfort, but Christmas also brings us conviction. Because Jesus has also told us truth, which confronts our wayward and distracted and divided hearts. Jesus is the light that illuminates the world. And this light not only reveals the exact imprint of God's character in the most glorious and humble way, it also exposes our love of the devil. If you continue on in Matthew's story of Jesus' birth, you see the varied responses of the worship of the wise men, the indifference of the religious leaders, and the hateful murder and poison by Herod. Jesus came to his own people, to the very world that he made, but they did not recognize him when he entered. You see, Jesus thwarted all earthly expectations with what a Messiah, a Savior, had to offer. Christmas pushes you off of God. Christmas pushes me off of God. There is no middle ground with Jesus. Will you worship Jesus as king, or will you continue to live in your idolatry? Will you repent of your sin at the announcement of Jesus' coming to earth, or will you continue to rebel and live your life as if you are in control? Will you reject your indifference and earthly expectations of what Jesus came to do and join him in his unstoppable mission? Will you trust in and treasure God's presence above all, or will you continue to trust in and treasure in the things of this world? See, God with us changes everything. Our God with us, Emmanuel, of Matthew has two bookends to this sermon of God's presence with us. Matthew 1.23, as was read earlier, and then John 1, that the sermon of Emmanuel announced that, that God is with us, that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And at the very end of Matthew 28.10, he says, I will never leave you, never forsake you. Behold, I'm with you to the end of the age. And Matthew gives us a picture of the two bookends of the whole Bible, that in Genesis 1 and 2, we see God is with Adam and Eve in the garden. And in Revelation 21 and 22, we see God is in with us when it says in Revelation 21, verse 3, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. You see, Christmas gives us a foretaste of the forever home that we will have with Jesus in heaven. And during Christmas, we on one hand look back to celebrate the God who is faithful to keep his promises in the first coming of his son Jesus into human history for the purpose that he came to one who was born king, the one who was born to die, one who would save his people from their sins. He was in control of the messy family tree of Jesus to bring about the birth of the baby in Bethlehem who would change everything. Yet God's not done fulfilling his promises through the coming of Christ. In the same way, God is in control of his messy family now, the church, you and I, in order to bring about the second coming of Jesus. You see, God's presence is so good it needed to come in a human form. In Psalm 1, Christmas refers to that fact. And then there comes the promise of a second Messiah, the complete Messiah. And God has given us a down payment to guarantee the inheritance of our eternal dwelling that he has blessed and given us the Holy Spirit. And so while at Christmas we look back at the first advent, the first coming of Christ, we are also now living in a period of waiting for Christ's second advent, his second coming. Namely, that his presence with us will be consummated and perfectly, perfectly fulfilled and realized. Eve will be expelled and we will dwell with God and his family forever. Jesus himself would later say in the Gospel of John, I go to prepare a place for you. 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And so, beloved, as we sing this morning, may we feel the comfort and the conviction of knowing that God is with us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. We think back and reflect upon the scriptures that were read, the thoughts that were shared, the songs that we have sung. Right now, just in your own voice and in your own way, from your heart, I just want to invite you, just between you and the Lord, to say, to say thank you for God's faithfulness. That he has a proven track record that we can see in his holy scriptures. So just to simply say, God, thank you for your faithfulness. Tell him thank you. Express gratitude. Express worship. Thank you, God. Even though waiting is fine, we know that our God is a God that is faithful. And so as a church, let's know we have a God who even in the waiting prepared promise that Jesus is, he wasn't Emmanuel 2,000 years ago, he still is Emmanuel today. He is with us. And that is at once comforting and wonderful, but it is also terrifying and convicting, knowing that there is no thought we think, there is no place we go, there is no word that we speak, there is no action that we take. that are distracting you, things that are keeping you from treasuring the gift of his glorious presence above all things, would you simply say something to the effect of Jesus said to his seven dead brethren today, I've dealt with my distractions, but Jesus, we thank you that you're faithful. We thank you that you are the yes and the amen to all of God's prayers. Lord, first and foremost, I pray us as your people to trust in and to treasure your glorious presence above all things, Lord, even good things, even great things, to know that you are the best thing. And where we go today, into our classes, into study, into conversations, into our dorm rooms, into our homes, into our communities, with both the comfort and the conviction of knowing God is with us. And Lord, in all of this, we trust in the matchless riches of the Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, amen. You are dismissed.